They seek him here, they seek him there. Those Frenchies seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? That damned elusive Pimpernel. picture Red Shoes as Baroness Orcsie's immortal character, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Tony Dewhurst and I, disguised as citizens of the French Republic, were strolling past the Tuileries when we saw a notice pasted on the wall. Say, Blackbeard, look at that. 50,000 francs reward. Some poor devil on the run, I suppose. I wonder who it can be. I wonder. Well, let's go over and see, shall we? The commune will play the above sum for information leading to the apprehension alive, the alive, you notice in capital letters, of the Englishman known as Anthony... Why, damnation, that's me! <laughs> this man is a dangerous enemy of the Republic and is believed to be a member of the subversive organization known as the League of the Scarlet Pimpernel. His description is age 28, height 5 feet 11, weight 12 stone, grey eyes, fair hair. He has a mole below the right eye and a small scar on the left temple. Oh, they couldn't be much more accurate, could they? Do you imagine our friend the citizen Chauvelin is behind this? Well, I should think it's certain. Mm -hmm. 50,000 francs. I, I must thank him sometime. I didn't realise he valued me quite so highly. What's it all about, I wonder? Why this sudden desire for the pleasure of my company? I don't know. But whatever it is, I don't like it. Oh, my dear fellow, you don't take this nonsense seriously, do you? I'm afraid I do. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen, Tony. You know Chauvelin as well as I do. He doesn't cause notices like this to be published for the fun of it. There's something behind it. It's part of some deep scheme. I, I'd give a lot to know what it is. Uh, 50,000 francs? Twice that. Oh, my dear Blakeney, dear... Come on, let's get back to the end. I think we should talk this over with Harding and Fuchs. <laughs> You never had 50,000 of them for you, folks, did you? As a matter of fact, 
I saw a copy of the same notice in the Rue Saint-Honoré. And I saw one in the Rue d'Amboise. I have no doubt they displayed all over Paris. Well, um, what's it all mean? Oh, Black Museums think Chauvelin is cooking up some typically crafty plan. Shouldn't be at all surprised. It's obvious. And I'm worried. Oh, really? Tony, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to... to disappear for a while. Disappear? I want you to return to England and stay there till I send for you. Oh, but that's ridiculous. I don't think so. Sorry, the answer's no. Very well. Since you won't do it voluntarily, I'm ordering you to go. Yes, but now look I here. mean it, Tony. As head of the League, it's my right to give orders. And as a member, it's your duty to obey. I know that, but, well, hang it all, why? Simply because Shola offers a reward for me and publishes a description of me. You don't suggest I'm in any more real danger now than I was, say, well, say yesterday. Or indeed that... I'm in any more danger than yourself or Harding or Fuchs. It's my belief you're in very grave danger. Then you do know what's behind this. No, I don't. But I know Chauvelin. I've studied the workings of that mind of his, and I shall be much happier when you're beyond his reach. Well, perhaps that's his idea. Perhaps he hopes this will drive me out of France. Huh. That's it, of course. He's simply trying to frighten me. Nonsense. He's no. much too intelligent to imagine he could do that. I tell you there's something behind all this. You'll leave tonight for the coast. Tonight? But I have an, uh, an important appointment tonight. Who with? Well, there, there was a girl I met. you leave tonight. Harding, you'll go uh, with him as far as Dieppe and see him safely embarked. Certainly. Oh, really, I do. Those are my orders. All right. If I've got to go, I've got to go, I suppose. I still think this whole thing's absurd. Tony had every reason to be disgruntled, of course. Even to myself, I couldn't explain my fears for his safety. They were purely intuitive, but nevertheless, they were strong. And the next few days, while we awaited Harding's return, did nothing to abate them. And then, one evening, as Fuchs and I were passing the time at backgammon... Lately, Fuchs. Oh, thank God you're here. Harding, what's happened? Uh, Bad news, Blakely. Tony? Yes. Not dead. No. They took him alive. They? Chauvelin's men. Uh, at least I assume that's where they were. But how did it happen? Well, someone must have recognized us as we were passing through Beauvais. Fast horseman overtook us soon after we left the town. Obviously, he went on to Gurney and warned the garrison there. We were rode right into an ambush. There was no shooting, no, no sword play. They were clearly determined to get us alive. How many of them were there? Oh, nine or ten. Well, how on earth did you manage to escape? Well, that's the extraordinary thing. They seemed to concentrate on Tony. Only a couple of them came at me. I winged one fellow, managed to unseat the other. Then I turned to help Tony, but it was too late. They'd already had him secure. I had no chance against that of a lot of them, so I spurred my horse and ran for it. I know, it doesn't sound terribly heroic. That's but... all right, Harding. You did the sensible thing. No point in both of you being caught. What's happened to Tony now? I haven't an idea. I've been riding hard ever since. Were you pursued? Yes, a couple of them set out after me, but they gave it up after four or five miles. Why, I wonder? Their mounts must have been fresher than yours. Well, that's what I thought, too. I, I couldn't understand it when I risked a glance back and there was no sign of them. It seemed almost as though they didn't particularly want to catch me. That sounds ridiculous. I'm not so sure. Tony was their real quarry. But Why? It's my belief that this is tied up in some way with that notice about Tony. Oh, the one offering the reward? Well, yes. What makes you think there's a connection? Well, the notice specified that Tony was to be apprehended. Alive. Yes, but... Clearly, from Harding's story, every care was taken to get him alive. Naturally, to make sure of collecting the reward. No, 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 no. I'm convinced there's more to it than that. A great deal more. Uh, perhaps you're right. 
But uh, what? Maybe they think they can torture him into betraying the rest of us in the league. No. Chauvelin knows Tony's quality. He knows nothing would force him to talk. Besides, he's much too subtle for that sort of thing. Well, then what is behind it all? Oh, I wish I knew. You say those fellows who ambushed you came from the garrison of Gournay? I imagine they must have. Right. Well, you better have a decent meal and a good sleep, Harding. Right. You see, tomorrow morning, three peasants from Gournay, who've come all the way to Paris to sell their produce, will be setting out on the journey home. <laughs> our disguise, we were obliged to travel by wagon, and it was three days later when we reached our destination. A little reconnoitering elicited the fact that the rank and file of the town's small garrison were in the habit of drinking in the evenings at a tavern called L'Homvert. We managed to obtain a room there, and after supper that night, we went into the drinking parlor. There were several people of the town there, and about a dozen troops. The atmosphere was noisy, full of good cheer. Hold on, Lord. A flagon of red wine. Come, mes amis, a spare bench, a spare table, if you please. Let us sit. Good to rest one's bones after a long day on the road. That it is, indeed. Look about you carefully, Harding. See if you can identify any of these men. I'll do my best, but when you're fighting for your life, you've no time to waste studying faces. That's true, all the same. Look out, the landlord's coming. Your wine, citizen. Merci bien. Uh, you are strangers here? Oh, we have a farm near Quebec on the lower Seine. Quebec, huh? Ah, then you must know my cousin, Jean-Pierre Dupin. But of course. Imagine that, you two. Here is the cousin of old Dupin. Oh, how extraordinary. It's a small world. Old, but uh, he is not old. Oh, we speak of him so as a term of endearment. It is the custom in Godbeck, you understand. Uh, that's right. Good old Jean-Pierre. <laughs> and how is that wife of his? What's her name again? Uh, it is foolish of me, but I have forgotten. His wife, we, oui, we, oui, um, oh, let, let, let me think. It, it is strange, you know, but I can't... Is it, um, Marie? No, 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 not Marie. Madame Dupin. Oh, I have it on the tip of my tongue. Oh, oh uh, excuse me, citizens. A customer. Come in, come in. That was a near one. I say, pick me. That sergeant, the one who has just come in, he was one of them. Are you sure? Positive. He was one of those who attacked me, the one I unseated. Right. You stay here. Leave him to me. Is it permitted for a mere civilian to buy a soldier a glass of wine? Hey, and why not? Excellent. <laughs> then you will do me the honor? <laughs> Merci. Landlord, wine for the sergeant and myself. At one citizen. I have just come back from Paris. Uh -huh. There is much talk there, you know, of the bravery of the garrison of Gournay a few days ago. In capturing a desperate English spy. Oh, is that so? Oh, you were perhaps involved in this affair yourself? <laughs> do I say it in all modesty, citizen? It was my affair. You mean you caught him single-handed? <laughs> well, almost. And no doubt you will have the reward. Oh, one has one's hopes. Provided, of course, you were able to take this blackguard alive. That was, as I recall, a stipulation. Oh, he's alive, all right. Your wine, citizen. Ah, merci. Thank you. Your health, Sergeant. And yours. 
Uh, you were um, saying he is alive, this fellow. Oh, very much so. We treated him as gently as a newborn babe. Uh, you have him well locked up in the garrison cells. I oh, trust. no. <laughs> He's too big a fish to risk like that. <laughs> He's in a much safer place than is possible in Gournay. Where? Ah, that would be telling, citizen. <laughs> perhaps I can guess. Oh, perhaps. <laughs> would it be in the fortress at Amiens? <laughs> you have not even warned. Oh, wrong direction, <laughs> eh? <laughs> there it must be Rouen. I, uh, I haven't said so. No, no, of course not. You'll keep it yourself, citizen. Oh, no. It is supposed to be a secret. My dear sergeant, I am the soul of discretion. Let us drink again. <laughs> Two days later, still in disguise, we were in Rouen. There we made contact with Gaston Leverrier, a reliable agent to whom we explained our mission. With some difficulty and through tortuous channels, he was at last able to arrange a meeting between myself and a man named Emandro, a warder at the fortress. Citizen Leverrier tells me you are interested in a, a certain prisoner of ours. Yes, the Englishman named Dewhurst. Oh, that one. A desperate character. He has not been uh, very cooperative, I'm afraid. Not, as you might say, amenable to reason. Englishmen rarely are. Would it be possible to get a message to him? Huh? It could be done, but it would be dangerous. It would cost money. How much? Two thousand francs. You will get the money when you do the job. Oh, oh, no. I want it now. You ask a lot, citizen. How do I know you will not just take the two thousand francs and... Do nothing. You will have to uh, trust me. A thousand now and a thousand when you bring back a reply. No. Two thousand. Now. All right. Here it is. Uh, thank you, my friend. And the message? Just tell him Percy is here. Percy. <laughs> that is you? Never mind who it is. <laughs> that is the message. You will know what to reply? I think so. Very well. I will make it my business to see him tonight. We will meet again tomorrow, here at the same place, at the same time, and you will have his answer. Now, now, I suggest you go. I will give you five minutes' grace. It would not be wise for us to be seen together. I didn't trust Evandro an inch, and it was with no great feeling of hope that I turned up next day. But he arrived on time to the minute and greeted me with a crooked smile that was meant to be reassuring. All is well, monsieur. Your message is delivered, and I have a reply. What is it? To prove I am not lying, I asked him to write it. Here it is. I knew you would find me. I am to be moved to Paris on Saturday week. Very brief, I am afraid. But there was no time to write more. Well, you recognize his hand, monsieur? Yes, 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 it is from Monsieur Dewhurst, all right. Do you know anything of this move he speaks of? Mm, only that it is on the personal order of Citizen Chauvelin. Uh, I might have known it. It will be taken under close escort, of course. Naturally. How many men? Oh, it's difficult to say. Perhaps six, perhaps eight. And uh, the route? By way of Vernon et Mante. I uh, have another thousand francs here. Can you get a message back to him? Mm, it is possible. Good. Here. Take the money and tell him we shall meet soon.
afford to leave nothing to chance to rescue Tony. I sent Fuchs off to Dieppe to bring reinforcements from our depot there. And on the day Tony was to begin his journey, there were eight of us lying in ambush a few miles on the Paris side of Rouen. Towards the middle of the morning, we saw a number of horsemen approaching. As they drew near, we were able to identify them as half a dozen armed troops with an unarmed man in the center. It's Tony, all right. I can recognize him. See the way he's drooping? He's sick. Either that or he's been ill-treated. Now, remember you fellows. No one's to show himself till I give the signal. Then each pick his man and make sure of him. I'll take the big fellow on the right. I'll have the one next to him. Right, there they come. Now! The advantage was all in our favor. I forced away straight to Tony and cut his bonds. Then, in accordance with our prearranged plan, Harding, Fuchs, and I broke free. And with Tony, we rode hell for leather towards Paris, leaving our comrades from Dieppe to cope with the troops. Speed was the one thing that mattered. And it wasn't until we changed horses at Louvier that we realized there was something vitally wrong with Tony. Tony, what is it? You're ill. No. Uh, I, I'm all right. That nonsense. Here, here. You can hardly stand. What have they done to you? Oh, I, I was tired, that's all. Tired? Yes, sir. I haven't slept very much. He needs a rest, Percy. Couldn't we stay here an hour or so? It's too dangerous. But he's in no fit state for a hard ride. Well, can't you see he's on the verge of collapse? Oh, Blakeney is right. We've got to push off. Sorry, Tony. Every minute's precious, you know. I know. Uh, don't worry about me. I, I'll see it through. That's the spirit. Come on, you fellows. We reached Paris at last, and the sanctuary of our inn. All of us deadly exhausted and Tony swaying in the saddle, barely conscious. He slept for 12 hours and ate hungrily when he woke. But even then, he was still in a bad way. And it wasn't until we had learned his story that we understood why. It started as soon as I reached Roy. They put me in a cell painted stark white with great oil lamps hanging from the rafters. The light was so strong it almost blinded me. There was no escaping it. My eyes and head began to wake Within a few hours, I thought I should go mad. It was terrible. All right, I, uh, take it easy, Tony. I tried to sleep stretched out on the stone floor, but they wouldn't let me. There was a jailer outside my door, and every time I closed my eyes, he'd, he'd prod me awake with a long stick. Sort of softening up, Princess, eh? Yes, that's what it was. How about food? Oh, now and then they'd bring me water and dry bread, but I couldn't eat. I... All I wanted was to sleep and to escape from that ghastly, terrible light. How long did this go on? Oh, I don't know. I, I lost count of time. They came in and started to question me one at a time in relays, hour after hour. I used to fall asleep as they were talking, and they'd fling my head back and slap my cheeks till I was awake again. I can't tell you what it was like. What sort of questions, Tony? Oh, all sorts. About the League and its headquarters and its members and agents kept asking me the same things over and over again. But I, I didn't talk. You've got to believe me. I, I didn't tell them a thing. Of course you didn't, old chap. And this went on all the time you were in Rouen? Yes, the whole fortnight. Now and then, towards the end, they, they'd let me sleep for 10 or 15 minutes just to taste the joy of it, as it were. And they'd prod me awake and start it all over again. And all the time, those awful, glaring lights. It's over now, Tony. I didn't talk, Blakeney. I, I swear I didn't. That's all right. That's all right. Take him back to his room, you fellows. He's going to need careful nursing for the next few days. Poor devil. He's been through it, all right. 
Come on, Tony. Yes, come on, old chap. It took a week or more for Tony to get back to something like his normal self. But even so, his ordeal in the war had left its mark. Ineradicably, it seemed. He was unable to concentrate for long. And often, when we were talking, he'd go off at a sudden tangent. It had done something to his memory, too. Some things were clear enough, but others were hazy. Incidents and places. Even names. Gabrielle? Gabrielle? Who is she? You remember Gabrielle Labouchier? Oh, the, uh, the name's familiar. My dear fellow, it's not above a month ago. Montreux, the crooked lawyer. The man who sent her father to the guillotine. Montreux? Oh, yes, of course, yes. You remember how Blakeney posed as a British spy and allowed Chauvelin to find documents incriminating Montreux, forged documents, of course, so that he too felt Madame's steely kiss? Oh, yes, it's, uh, it's beginning to come back to me now. That, oh, it was very clever of you, Blakeney. Oh, it seemed rather obvious to me. Well, it's fool Chauvelin. And Gabrielle, uh, what happened to her? We sent her to England. Tony, you must remember. That's yes, I... I'm sorry, my, my brain just doesn't seem to function these days. You've been through a bad time. I think you should go home for a while. To England? Yes. You need a rest. I, I'd, I'd rather not. I, I'll be all right soon. I'm, I'm sure I shall. Time, time, that's all I need. Just a little time to get over the horror of Rouen. <laughs> Another fortnight, and Tony seemed almost back to normal. I had been working for some time on a plan to establish a second escape route from Paris to England for refugees from the revolution in case our normal one broke down. The details were now all completed, and it remained only to put them into effect. That evening, I called a conference. Fuchs and Tony arrived, but though we waited half an hour, there was no sign of hiding. I can't think what's happened to him. No, nor I. It's so unlike him to be unpunctual. He, he did know where we were to meet this evening. Yes, I told him this morning. When did you see him last, Fuchs? About midday. I went out. And then. he was still there? Yes. He was still here when I went out at two o'clock. He must have gone off somewhere during the afternoon and not returned. You don't think he's in trouble, do you? Let's hope not. I shouldn't think so. I should think he's just forgotten. Oh, anyhow, let's get on with the business, shall we? Well, we may as well, I suppose. Well, now, as I told you, I've been working on this new plan. I've established a chain of reliable agents in various towns and villages between here and the coast. And it's simply a matter now of making sure the organization works smoothly. Oh, uh, how do you propose to do that? By putting it to the practical test. You two and Harding will play the parts of French refugees, and you'll make your way from town to town and from agent to agent between here and Boulogne. Uh, we shall need a list of the agents. Well, naturally, I have it here. Well, have you got copies for us? No, of course not. That'd be too dangerous. You know that, Tony. You'd have to learn them off by heart. Much safe. Who are they, Percy? Well, the first one is Monsieur Charles Pelletier, Draper of Chantilly. Charles Pelletier, Draper, Chantilly. Yes, got that. The second, Father Dumont, parish priest of Liancourt. Dumont, parish priest, Liancourt. Yeah, Dumont, Liancourt. Who's next? The third, Monsieur Paul Lemain. Butcher. It's you, Hardy. Hello. Uh, about time you turned up. Sorry. I was detained on important business. Well, this also happens to be important. Not as important as mine. Tony? Yes? You used to be a first-rate swordsman. Huh? Has your unfortunate experience in Rouen affected your skill, do you think? I don't imagine so. 
Well, now's your chance to find out. Draw! Harding! Have you gone crazy? If you don't draw and defend yourself, I'll run you through, I swear it. Uh, don't be a fool, Harding. Put up your sword. You two keep out of this. Between Dewhurst and myself. I'll give you three seconds, Tony. If I'm going to fight, at least I'd like to know what it's about. You don't know? Can't even guess. Very well. I brand you traitor. What? Traitor and spy. I'm for you, Dewhurst. One, two, right. For heaven's sake. I claim a challenger's rights. No interference. On guard. We've got to do something, Blakely. They'll kill each other. No. Let them continue. But Harding and Dewhurst, it's incredible. If you won't check them, I'll You'll stay where you are, folks. That's an order. Harding. You... You've killed Tony. I meant to. But why? Tony Dewhurst was my closest friend, Harding. He saved my life a dozen times. I let you fight on because I trust you too well to believe you could be wrong. But if you've made some ghastly mistake... I've made no mistake, Blakeney. I left a visitor outside. Excuse me. Come in. Hello, you chaps. Tony! Am I dreaming or something? Oh, thank God, you Thank God. But this is fantastic. It, it's impossible. You were killed a moment ago. There's your body on the floor. I seem to be quite a magician, don't I? In two places at once. Well, then, this isn't you? Well, I, I don't think so. At least I, I certainly hope not. Come and look, Tony. God, he is like me, isn't he? We might be identical twins. Besides, I just don't understand. Who is he? That's something we shall probably never know. I dare say Chauvelin could tell us, but I don't imagine he will. You mean he's one of Chauvelin's men? Well, he was, till Harding transferred him into the past. Yes. I think it's all quite clear now. I began to see the light while you were fighting him, Harding. You realized then he was an imposter? Yes, that's why I refused to let you interfere, Fuchs. But how did you know? My dear fellow, he may have looked like Tony and spoken like Tony, but he didn't fight like Tony. I see your point. But even so, I'm still completely in the dark. Won't somebody explain, please? Well, some time ago, our friend Chauvelin must have met a man who was Tony's almost exact double. He realized that here was a wonderful opportunity to play us at our own game. First, it was necessary for him to capture Tony. Hence those notices and the big reward, I suppose. Then it was necessary to give his double a chance to watch Tony's particular mannerisms, gestures, way of speaking, and so on. Yes, sir, I had a feeling someone was watching me through a spy hole all the while I was in prison at Rouen. Then Chauvelin had to arrange for us to rescue Tony, as he knew we were bound to try. Only it wasn't Tony we rescued at all, but his double. Yes, but even so, that jailer fellow... Oh, uh, working on Chauvelin's instructions? Then the note he brought you from Tony was a fake. No, Aymondreau fooled me as well as Blakeney. It was he who told me I was to be moved to Paris on a certain day, and he suggested I should write and pass on the news. I see. So we accepted this fellow as Tony, talked freely in front of him of things we'd done and things we planned to do. Even down to the details of our new escape route. Just as well you intervened when you did, Harding, or that list of names would have been in Chauvelin's possession tonight. And within a week, every person on it would have gone to the guillotine. Phew, what an escape.
<laughs> you know, Tony, there's still one thing you haven't explained. Oh, what's that? Well, how you escaped from Rouen. Oh, that was easy. Well, every man has his price, even the jailer, eh, mon well, You were able to bribe him? Oh, yes. With a promise of 20,000 francs and a safe passage to England. I'll wager it was the passage to England that did the trick. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it, the number of Frenchmen these days who seem to have a deep-rooted objection to living in France? <laughs> Just as well. Otherwise, the skull of Pimpernel and his friends would be out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> 